Welcome to A Better Way with Crossroads Bible Church, a podcast about finding the activity of God in our stories and discovering how Jesus is building His kingdom among us, right here, right now. The goal is to inspire you to see and celebrate God's activity in your own life, too. And now your host, Sherry Hutspeth. Hello, everyone. I'm Sherry Hudspeth, and I'm sitting here with our pastor of worship, Andy Zapata. Welcome, Andy. Hi. <laughs> Good to have you. Glad to be here. <laughs> we got the technology all sorted out, and now we're ready to go. That's right. Yeah, well, it helps to be an IT guy on my you know, other <laughs> side job. Yes, I appreciate that. Hey, before we start talking about the questions that I asked you to consider, um, in the process of thinking about whether or not to start this project of doing a podcast, um, I found myself pondering various things. And one of those was like, when you lead us in worship, you often talk to us about the importance of being family. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that stories are an important part of family life. Um, and so I had some thoughts here that I wanted to go ahead and read that I wrote down. A uh, story creates ties that bind when things get messy or hard. Remembering who God has been and how his people have been a part of our journey can make the difference in whether we work through difficulties and endure together or not. And stories are much needed glue. Hmm. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Every family, right, has its own mm-hmm. uh, tales and they only continue to grow with time. Right. And it is amazing how when you hit kind of a rough patch, how much like remembering the story, like the whole story helps give you strength to kind of hang in there um, together. And also to remember the joys. Like when you're in the tough places, you need to remember the celebrations and the joys that have happened along the way too. Yeah, well, and that and that's biblical, right? That's mm-hmm. where God commanded the Israelites to make those monuments, the, mm-hmm. the Ebenezers, to remind them of where they've come from. And, and where they're headed and what his promises are. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to thank you for the way that you've encouraged us in that, you know, like over and over again. Like we need to be reminded. So thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Okay. Well, let's dive into these questions. The first one is How would you describe your spiritual heritage? Uh, well, my, um, so I, I'm a, what I, affectionately call a mutt mm-hmm. uh, my my dad being from Peru he uh, he wasn't raised very um, religious his father was Jewish and his uh, his mother was Catholic and mm-hmm. um, and they were raised kind of just as part of the culture and he came uh, to this country and and got involved in an evangelical tradition and on the other side uh, my mom was raised very very um, Baptist Mm -hmm. my uh, grandfather was a youth pastor in a Baptist church for a time and then even later in life he was an interim minister at a church in Fort Davis and so I, I come from entirely different worlds and uh, the faith was was really really impressed on my mom's side. So we were raised in the church, and um, we were in Plano, a little church, Hunters Glen Baptist Church, and uh, it was it was there that um, you know I, I saw a lot of things. I was actually baptized at Second Baptist Church in Houston at a very young age, 
Um, I was probably, I want to say, uh, mom, forgive me if I get in these years wrong, uh, <laughs> but I was about four years old when I said I want to get baptized. And my mom said, uh, I don't know about this. And she goes and she talks to pastors and says, is he too young? What's, you know, mm-hmm. is he, is he really, um, is he really understanding? And they said, well, the only way to know is see if he brings it up again. Mm-hmm. And so my mom said, uh, you know, I, I think maybe you're a little too young and we'll see. And so about a year passes and she comes back to, to me and says, Hey, I, I uh, you never really brought this back up. And I said, well, mom, you told me I was a little too young. I figured you'd tell me when it was time. Hmm. And she said, oh, no, get this kid in the water. <laughs> We're so, ready. That's right. And so uh, so I was baptized at Second Baptist Houston. We traveled around a little bit, and then we ended up in Plano, and that was mm-hmm. where I was at Hunters Glen Baptist Church. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, from an early age, I think I, I, I was very fortunate that I, I always had that foundation. And, and there was a time later on in my life that I kind of ran for a little bit. And then... And then came back. I mean, God was always just right. Right. The more you run, mm. you, you he chases. Right. Okay. So it it only takes turning around once, and it's and he's always right there over your shoulder. And so there was always you know a pursuit that that wouldn't let me go too far. Yeah. And what is it about having a mixed heritage that you're aware has been a gift? Ooh, uh, man, this kind of dovetails with one of the other questions that. You, you had us think about, but um, it's really it's really interesting, but a lot of fun. So my dad being from Peru, and my mom being um, she's from North Carolina, but they moved around a lot. Uh, they got married, they got divorced. She remarried a wonderful white man. Uh, my stepfather is is just a real blessing to our family, and um, and and someone I, I couldn't imagine our lives being without. And my and my dad likewise married a wonderful woman um, from Brazil. So I've got this. Uh, she's she's lovely as well. I, I can't say I couldn't imagine our lives without. And and it's really interesting. You can't at this point can't picture either of my parents being with one another because they're so very different. But. Uh, that means that when we're at my dad's house, we eat all kinds of foods I can't pronounce, and we watch soccer, or you know, and really participate in, in kind of a South American culture thing. And then um, when we're at my mom's, we eat burgers and dogs, and you know, drink light beer and watch. Uh, can we say that on the podcast? <laughs> uh, and you know, watch football. And so, um, I think I think what's really interesting in this time. Um, It's very strange to have, at this present time, have been told what it was like for my dad to come to this country mm. and to appreciate the freedom. We, he had, my family had everything taken from them in Peru mm. in, a, in, mm. in a leftist overthrow of a government. And, mm. um, and so he came to this country looking for opportunity, looking to see something else. And, and, and to have, particularly my generation and the generation coming up behind me without any respect for any type of tradition and and I, I, I make no illusions about this being a 100% Christian nation but it's it's clear that we were founded on certain ideals ideals of the enlightenment where that you know the thinkers were very very influenced by Christianity um, to see that now and, and to have one foot in the old world uh, in, in the European Western tradition and one foot in the new world and and 
to be able to walk that line and, and even among people that, that would readily separate us into tribes and, and be able to stand kind of in the gap and say, hang on a second, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. The Lord has blessed us a ton here, and we, we really need to hold on to that. So, yeah, I mean, being, uh, yeah, being mixed, it's, it, I can't help but get away from, and this is what I'm struggling with. This is why I said it dovetails kind of with the other thing. Um, there's the story of the talents, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And Jesus gives a little bit to one, a little bit more to another, and a little bit more to another. And, and so even in that, it's not equal distribution. You've got, mm. you've got differences, right? And, right. Um, and they go out and to invest, and they invest well, and they, and they uh, not that this is an economic thing, but they go and they take what they've been given and they invest it and they do things. And, uh, and then one is afraid. He's been given, even the little that he's been given, he's afraid to use it. And, uh, and in the parable, the, the master comes back and looks at the two that have invested wisely and, and he commends them for it. And then the one that didn't do anything with what they've been given, uh, and had hidden it, um, and was afraid. Really, it was cowardice. Mm. Uh, what's crazy is that he he chastises him, and then he takes. Th- this is from the one that had the very least. Mm. He takes even what he was given and gives it to the one that had the most and had made the most. And and the thing is, that's not to presume we are. We know where we are on that spectrum. Mm. I could be the littlest. I could be the. I could mm. be the most. I, I don't know, but but I do know that Christ also said to those who much is given, much will be required. And so, if there are talents that we've been given, what where do we where do we invest them? And so in this time period, in it, I, I had no choice over where I who my parents were, where they came from, where I ended up, where I was born. All of those things are are things that are what of God's choosing and. And here we are in this time, in this scenario where so many people are, are just being factioned off into all of these mm-hmm. little tribes where there there's warring. And for some crazy reason, I, I've been given a, a place at a crossroads. Mm-hmm. And and so to, to act with cowardice seems to be mm-hmm. uh, a dangerous place to be based on the parable. And so, mm-hmm. how, you know, how do you how do you take that story as, as you, even you're doing here and, and say, well, it's. Let's tell a story of where, where we can come together and recognize that um, the Lord has given us each of these things, and, and we need to invest them wisely and not be and not be cowards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was a very very long answer to say, uh, uh, yeah, I think I think that right now, as a mutt, as a child of mixed heritage, uh, without a team to speak of, there's a if I'm not finding a way to be like Christ and and to preach. A, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile. Knowing that inside myself, then uh, I mean, I think that you know, I've I've missed, I've at least misappropriated or mis uh, misinvested one of the things that I think I've been trusted with. So I mean, one of the main points of having this podcast was to like talk about a better way, and to talk about like the discovery of the kingdom, mm-hmm. Jesus's kingdom. So when you're talking about paying attention to all these different people, like the divisions, and then paying attention to a story in Scripture and looking for insight from God about how to be what, who God's inviting you to be in the middle of all that, it, it seems to me like you're articulating that discovery of a better way. Yes. Uh, 
You know, there, there was a, in studying history, there was a time when the church had the best. The, there was a time where the best art was coming from the church. Mm. The best architecture was coming from the church. The best thinkers were coming from the church. Blaise Pascal, a brilliant mathematician, uh, was a was a believer, and um, and you know he's got his famous wager. Um, but uh, all of these things were a part of the church, and and I grew up in a tradition where it seemed like we were eschewing a lot of those things, mm-hmm. and and not not intentionally. It, it, um, I've been confronted with a quote that was, uh, that now that I've got a son, you you can raise your kids to be safe, or you can raise them to be strong but they necessarily come at the expense of the other. Mm. And and so I think that there was a time where the church, uh, at least the tradition that I grew up in, wanted to be safe. And and I've never, I've always asked questions. And I, I don't know that I'm ever, I've ever been socially aware enough to know which questions you should and shouldn't ask. So I just asked them all and um, and so there were there were times in the church where it was a little bit frustrating. Jesus turns water into wine, and and I was like, well, how come we're Baptists? Why why don't we drink wine? Mm-hmm. And they're you know, mm-hmm. and it they're like, well, that was non-alcoholic wine. And I was like, why didn't they just say grape juice? It seems like you know the, the writer seems pretty articulate. He could write grape juice. Why didn't he write grape juice? And and then I got a little bit older, and you know, and then I'm like, hang on a second. And, and this is this is the craziness of where my mind works. I'm, I'm chasing all these rabbit trails like, wait, wait, we had no pasteurization. So even if Jesus turned water into grape juice and it had no alcohol, there's trace yeast in the air. Immediately it starts fermenting and there's trace amounts of alcohol that if we were to chemically analyze it, it would be there. So you can't tell me that it was just grape juice and stayed grape juice. Mm. And he turned water into wine at the end of the party, not wine into water at the beginning. And so all of these things are just ma- messing with my head. Mm. Uh, and so as I get older, and, and I remember distinctly having this conversation with other church leaders because I, I had friends that were deep thinkers. And and it, it was frustrating to me because, because, as you already asked about, I had a tradition where God had messed with my life early enough that um, I've been fortunate that he hasn't let me go. And so I'm pleading with other members of the church saying, we've got... We've got kids I say kids we've got we've got friends we've got uh, there are other grown men at that point but people who the church is losing because they don't see they see the church at times of being anti-intellectual and Mm. so my Mm. yeah I mean when I'm trying to press into a better way I think that I believe wholly that God God's entrusted all of these people with all these different gifts and and to to not love the Lord our God with all of our heart soul and mind is a is a missing piece sometimes sometimes it's not all traditions I, I, but uh in my search for a better way it's i yearn for my generation's deep thinkers to have once again have a place in the church and be comfortable with their questions i've got a very very close friend that is talking right now about moving and not being able to he's in our church right now and um and he's like, I don't know if I can find another church. I don't know if every I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to paper over my doubts and put up a facade where they, you know, it's not gonna be safe for me to ask questions, and mm-hmm. and that breaks my heart. Because mm-hmm. um, I think that there's a place for that. Jesus absolutely loves those people as well, right. and so uh, yeah, in in a search for a better way, I think that that's where that's where I think the Lord is really 
saying, how, how can I be that? Because I, I think that if he's, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm some kind of brilliant theologian or anything, but I, I'm very curious mm-hmm. and I, and I identify with those people. Mm-hmm. And so it, insofar as I can be the bridge to those that might be of my generation, especially that are deep thinkers, mm-hmm. and say, no, 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 you don't have to toss out your rational mm-hmm. belief. You don't have to toss out any type of, um, you don't have to suspend your critical nature. You, but you, you can put all of these things, that, to, to quote somebody from a story that um, is brilliant, you can... You can take all of these questions and you can put them in the box and label that God. And that's enough for now. Mm. So as part of what you're saying is that at some point we decided to be safe with our thinking. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, well, it's scary to ask questions. It it can be because we're messing with, when you start messing with someone's epistemology, I mean, that's the very foundation they built their whole worldview on. Mm-hmm. And so if the worldview included certain certain part, if it's the foundation, right? I'm going through foundation work on my house right now. Most mm-hmm. of the foundation's fine. There's one part of the foundation mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. really, really suspect. Mm-hmm. And, and the problem is that part of the foundation being faulty means that the house is faulty. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, Sweet. it's going to cause problems, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you start asking questions... And you don't know the answers because that's the thing, right? If you don't know the answers, you there is a fear that oh no, what if what if they just poked a hole and my whole thing's going to come crashing down? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's a very very scary place to be. And it takes a certain a certain amount of faith to believe that God is bigger than that. Mm-hmm. That we've got a God who who is a rational God who's who's created lots of stuff and is and has left us an incredible tradition. Um, and and it yeah, it's it's really scary to start pick. For someone to start considering to poke holes in something that you don't know the answer to and, and you're concerned because you've built your whole life on something, that that's a dangerous place. But it's I think that that's where God really is. That's where you, you meet with and wrestle with the God of the Bible and, and not just the God of your own construction where, you know, when, when God starts to surprise you, that's that's really, really scary. But But yeah, I think that we sometimes rather than Rather than ask the tough questions, you know, we, we settle for for safety. And, and you know what? There are times where that's what we have to hold on to. But then there are times that I think he calls us in a little bit deeper and, and says, let's walk on these waters. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's clear that, you know, when, when Peter steps out, that he's not too sure about it. And then he starts thinking and then is, is scared. But then we might forget the rest of the story. God reaches out and he stops him from sinking. Right. Yeah, so what have you discovered about the connection to accepting doubt, exploring doubt, and then when you move through that with God and you wind up in a place of belief, like, what does that mean to you to go through that process and arrive at belief? I don't think it is coincidence that God has given covenant after covenant and our belief is formed in the um, the current faith what we all believe it's the picture that we're given is the new covenant Mm -hmm. and the church in Christ is painted as a husband and wife and 
I don't pretend to know everything about marriage. I'm eight years in. And I know more of my wife now than I did last year, mm-hmm. the year before. Mm-hmm. The, the day of our wedding, the, uh, the day that we met. It's been a progression. And, and the progression is, in a very real sense, a one of m- me trying to analyze who she is, painting a picture of her, and then having to rip it up and, and paint a more accurate picture, mm-hmm. and then having to rip it up and paint a more mm-hmm. accurate picture. Mm-hmm. And it's not that some of the details weren't right along the way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that every once in a while, you know, she'll surprise you. And I'm sure I do the same to her. But I think doubt is a lot like that. I, I, I think in being honest, there are probably a very, very select few skeptics who wouldn't assent to a certain amount of grace or um, a recognition. When, when we say for all of sin and, and fallen short of the glory of God, it, 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 anybody who's honest with themselves can recognize at the very, very base level their own failings, even if it's not acts of commission. But, but I mean, just if you were to project your thoughts on a projector, you know, and mm. for all to see, there's mm. lots that are mm. Mm. ugly. And so in, in walking through doubt, I think it's, it's a, a continual um, repainting of, of the painting, getting more details, knowing that that's never going to, you don't arrive mm. in that process. Mm. Same as marriage. Mm. Um, but in walking through doubt, it, it's, it's uh, it's a a wrestling with the with the living God. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's the it's that story. It's that picture where you know you wrestle and wrestle and wrestle, and and sometimes God breaks your hip, mm-hmm. but you but you come away having been touched. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, you have a much better picture of who He is. Like there's more beauty, there's more glory, there's more truth, there's more. It all makes more sense. Like it keeps leading you on towards more. Yeah. Well, it, so there's a line. I love music. Yes. Uh, this song by, um, it's called Praise the Lord, and, and not everything. I, I identified with a lot of it. Um, I, I've always been a an intellectual type of, I, I've been, like I said, curious. I don't, I don't mean to say I'm, I'm an intellectual. I just, I've got leanings. And... Um, and there was a time where, where God was a subject hmm. and not a person to be known. Hmm. And hmm. Um, and so he, there's a point where he says, I used to hold you like a hammer and try to nail down everyone. Uh, and there are lots of little illusions. Sh- shake you like an eight ball, like the magic eight balls. <laughs> uh, bind you in a book, hmm. you know. Um, and, and then says, I took you like a prescription without knowing what I took. And... And then in, in the chorus, he gets to, I find I know less as I come to know you more. You aren't who I thought you were. Praise the Lord. Hmm. And um, and that's been my discovery of Jesus. Hmm. Is the closer you get, the more there is, and the more you recognize you don't know. Mm-hmm. And and the more he, he calls on you to act. In to- and the more hypocritical you find yourself. Right, right. Because you know how, how much more he's called you into and how many times you... You can't live up, but you but you still keep trying to walk in that direction. And I think also too, the more kind and gracious you realize God is, in mm. His patience with all that lack of understanding. Yeah. Oh yeah. That you've carried, and such compassion for us, 
in our lack of understanding. Absolutely. And and so it must be so joyful for him to pursue us and for us to gain sight of who he actually is and then to get to enter into that relationship um, more in the way that it was intended to be from the very beginning. It's really poignant right now because I have a son and we tried. We tried so, I mean, we went through fertility trouble and and after this long journey of, I mean, a, a miscarriage and um, trusting that the Lord had something for us. Mm-hmm. And then we're a year in and he's crawling. He's starting to pull up on things and he pulls up on things and then he gets stuck like in the crib. He <laughs> cried the other, the other day, he was losing his mind because he pulled up and then probably couldn't figure out how to get back down. <laughs> right. And uh, and he slips, but every one of the little things is we celebrate right. and we rejoice in, and it's not it's not a coincidence that, that God said that we're His children, mm-hmm. and so yeah. yeah, I think that He delights as I'm chasing my son around as he crawls and. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I pursue him and, and I get to know him because it's all on my end right now, you yeah, know? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, how much delight is there and, and really delight on our end if we allow ourselves to get there, mm-hmm. that, uh, that we have a Heavenly Father that chases around, that calls us children, that, you know, it really delights in us. I think that that's ultimately something that, mm. that we need to accept mm-hmm. as a, with all of our feelings mm-hmm. he still delights mm-hmm. yeah and I think one of the things that's happening for me is that <clears throat> the intellectual pursuit like the asking the honest questions the asking for understanding for comprehension also leads to this experience of more of the emotional life of more of the delight in who God is and delight in how he responds to me in those questions and how he helps me with the stuff I really do need to understand in order to live into what he's created me to live into. Um, And to apply it. Yes. And to apply it. So the intellectual stuff, uh, I can't remember who said this, but anything that inhales all the time and ever exhales dies. Right. That's a real, I mean, it's, it's true. And so you have, you've got to exhale. And so while you're taking in these things and the Lord is showing you stuff, then immediately you have to apply it. I say this to, to my wife regularly. I, I'm constantly reading and, um, and she's, uh, I can't tell you how many times she's asked, how do you remember all this stuff? And I said, well, cause when I, as soon as I hear something interesting, I immediately go tell someone else. I'm like, this blew my mind. Are you around? Have you heard this? If you have heard this, why didn't you tell me? And, and so I think that if if learning something new and immediately telling someone else about it if that if that cements it in our mind because that's how we are is that's that's how we're made as humans mm-hmm. and and so if god is showing us these things then the very first thing we should do is we should go out and and try and apply it who can who can i tell mm-hmm. if if god just impressed on me hey i delight in you well who can i delight in who can i go find and if i'm going to be his hands and feet that means that i need to find a way to do that yeah. and so uh, uh yeah i i think very very in a real sense, there's there is absolutely an intellectual pursuit, and and it, that looks different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, th- and then there's an emotional pursuit. I think that God gave us emotions for a reason. They're very powerful, mm-hmm. and and at the same time, if we're not, I, I, how many times you've probably told someone about Jesus, mm-hmm. but you find yourself in a situation where you're probably you know trying to. You might be sitting on a plane and, and just wanting to sit by yourself and you end up in this conversation and you're like, great, well, I guess I'm going to tell him about God and not get any sleep. 
And, and you do, right? And you start telling them. And all of a sudden, as you've recounted this story, and, and maybe it's been a rough week, and maybe it's been a little bit shaky, but then as you're telling them this story, you're like, oh, oh no, I do believe that. Mm. And it does mm. make sense. And I don't know why it mm. makes sense, but it resonates <laughs> in my own, you know? Right. And, and so I think that, yeah, we're, we're absolutely meant to, uh, to exhale because that's, that's where it's, it's often in the exhale that for some reason God... God shows up. Mm-hmm. Not that he doesn't show up in the inhale and, and the intellectual right. pursuit. But, yeah, he's but, there in all of it, really. Yeah, but it's it's different. Yes. It's different. Yes. Yeah, and I love like your description. And I think um, a lot of us have different pathways into this like integration of everything. But when it starts with understanding and then that creates passion or love for something, then that creates action, right? Mm-hmm. And it's become full circle, which is kind of the last question that you know we were um, going to explore is how is this invitation to a better way changing how your relationships with other people? How's it impacting how you see other people, how you're interacting with other people? And you've touched on that some, but I'm just wondering if there's anything else you'd like to share about that. I'm I'm at present wrestling with. Um, with what, with what responsibility looks like. I think there's a. It's been stated by others that, that especially this generation is is looking for its moment. Previous generations had the civil rights era. That you had mm-hmm. these, you had the abolition of slavery prior to that. You had these, um, you had the great adventure of coming to this country, and and before that, you know, you had all kinds of different different things. Every generation has had a. A major hurdle to overcome, and and I I wonder if if my generation is looking for uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Saint George and the Dragon. You've, no. So Saint George slays this dragon and and saves the the kingdom. But, but along with that story is I can't remember who coined this phrase, but Saint George and retirement syndrome. And so it, it takes a story. Usually you've got okay, slay the dragon happily ever after. But then he he takes it on and 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 takes the allegory a little bit further and says St. George enjoyed the fanfare and and enjoyed being able to to slay the dragon. And so then he goes and he looks for another dragon and he finds one and he slays it. And then he looks for another dragon and he finds one and he slays it. And and as time went on, he finds smaller and smaller dragons to slay until at the end he seems to be, you know, um, dueling with the air as he's out of dragons to slay. And it does seem, it does seem that uh, in a search to be compassionate, to find, to leave our mark on the world, that we might be Saint George in retirement, finding smaller and smaller dragons to slay. Not, not that there aren't, they don't exist, but they might not be as large as we make them out to be. And, and to make it, bring it full circle, as a, as a child of mixed heritage, with one parent who is related to John Adams and John Quincy Adams, is, is at the very, very beginning of this country. And then one parent who, who grew up in, in the third world, speaking another language, and, and came here looking for opportunity to escape excesses of, and, and tyranny of government and, and wanting to build a life. With, with my generation, how do I take what God has given me and, and try and be somewhat responsible with, with the way that we see these things? I know that there's tons of of great intentions and I think that we are so instant
gratification that we take these well-intentioned things and we don't look at the consequences and we run out. Mm. The, the last thing I'd say is, is uh, in high school, I met with my guidance counselor and she says, I have good news and bad news. I said, give me the bad news. Just, you were two questions away from National Merit Scholarship. And I said, dang, that is bad news. <laughs> What's the good news? And she says, well, you're National Hispanic Merit. And I said, that's crap. And she goes, no, it's an honor. I said, no, it's crap. And she goes, no. She says, no, it's an honor. And I said, no, it's terrible. And she said, why is it terrible? And I said, because you looked at me and you said, hey, you didn't get real national merit, mm. but you're Hispanic. So we're going to lower the bar a little bit and give you a consolation prize. Mm. And, and I have no doubt that the people who made the National Hispanic Merit had the best of intentions. We wanted to honor some things, mm. but, but they're not looking at the other side that creates an inferiority complex because we have to lower the bar and give you a consolation prize. Mm. And that doesn't say we stand on the same mm. playing field. Mm. That says we got to lower the bar a little bit for you. Mm. And, and I don't want that. Mm. I don't want that for people. Mm. I don't, even if it's the best of intentions. And so how do I, how do I in this time period where we are very, very concerned with making sure that, that we try and eliminate as much of unfairness, whatever that means, mm-hmm. how do I, th- this is where God stuck me. Yeah. And he didn't give me a team. Right. Because I'm not fully Hispanic. I'm not fully white. I'm stuck here as a mutt. And so what, what do I do in, in Jesus name to try and bring some reason to these things and, and to, to to talk to a generation that that maybe are if we're seeking absolution which we often are in in the form of a competing seemingly religious movement how do i show them the god of the bible and say hey that's not you're not going to find absolution in being anti-racist you're not going to be find absolution in and being pro uh, group of the day's rights you're going to find absolution in in a, a God who gave everything so that you might have everything later. That's where we find absolution. That's where we find love. That's where we find value and wholeness and, and delight mm-hmm. and joy mm-hmm. and, and a love for our fellow man. Let's, let's go there first. Mm-hmm. Let's, not, let's mm-hmm. not put the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where... For some crazy reason, I, I don't believe ideas have color. Hmm. I think that ideas are ideas, and they hmm. stand alone outside hmm. of their hmm. progenitors. Um, but for some reason, the world seems pretty concerned with color right now, and I got stuck with that card. Hmm. And so if I don't play it, then is that a talent hmm. that I'm putting hmm. in the ground? Hmm. Andy, I'm so excited actually about ending this conversation at this spot because you've got you've got things that the Lord has already shown you you've got questions you're still asking you're still looking to the Lord to show you what responsibility looks like you know with holding your story and holding what God's kingdom is about and you're going to continue living that out with the Lord and discovering what he wants to show you and live into um, from here and that's a part of being a believer in a family of God. Like, that's what we're doing together is we're figuring it out together. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, being so honest, being so curious, um, like being willing to share what it's really been like for you. And 
I'm excited for people to keep getting to know your story more and you getting to know other stories because people come up and talk to you after listening to this as well. Yeah. Loving all of it. (laughs) All right. Well, um, here we are living together, learning a better way. Jesus. Thank you. Pleasure. Hmm.